Hello, good morning. This is Rick Pina, and I'm bringing you today's word for October 31st, 2023. I'm teaching a series on the parables of Jesus, and now we are dealing with the parable of the prodigal son. I've already dealt with multiple parables. This year we started with the miracles, now we're doing the parables, and we've gotten to the parable of the prodigal son. This is a familiar passage. A lot of people know this parable. A lot of people know the story. You probably learned it in Sunday school, right? You learned it as a little child. And, and you're learning about this parable and you're learning about the love of God. But there's so many dynamics to this parable. Today, we're going to go back to it. And it's Pearls from the Parables, part 89. So this is part 89 of the whole series on the parables. And I'm talking about today, this is an important topic for me anyway. I believe it's an important topic for God. Unity in diversity. You, I'm talking about unity in diversity today. I'm talking about how God wants us to be unified without being uniform these are lessons from the prodigal son. We could talk about unity in diversity. Put this in the chat. I'm ready to receive on unity in diversity. Open up your heart now to receive. All right, so here we go. Unity in diversity. That's what we're going to talk about today. And I want you to open up your heart to receive what God is about to release in your life. Before we get into the parable, though, uh, there's a scripture we've been looking at all year. Psalms 126 and verse four. I want to read that for you again. And this is why we're doing this, because at the beginning of 2023, going into 2023, the Lord spoke over our church and said that this would be a season of refreshing and restoring for us. And the Lord led our pastors to Psalms 126 and verse 4. Now, this is what I don't do. So if you get something like that, you get a word, like, say, at the beginning of the year um, and say, well, this is this year I'm believing God for X. Well, if we would be honest, a lot of people by March already forgot about it. And so by July, they're, they're certainly not talking about what God said back in December or something like that. So the reason why I keep bringing this up is because for it to be a season of refreshing and restoring for us, we have to be aware of it. We got to be cognizant so that we can open up our heart to, for him to do what he wants to do in our lives. There, there must be an awareness of what God is doing. So if what God said is that this is a season of refreshing and restoring for us, and if there are areas of your life that dried up and God will refresh it, we need to be aware of it. So this is the scripture. Now, Lord, do it again. Say, Lord, do it again. Restore us to the former glory. May streams of your refreshing flow over us until dry hearts are drenched again. I put in the chat, no dry areas for me. We want every area of our life to be drenched and saturated in the love and the grace of God. Say amen to that. Let me just say this before I move on. If you want, if you believe that God has spoken something to you for a season and you want that to be manifested in that season, you need to think about it. This is why I share the same scripture with you every day. You got to be cognizant. You got to be aware so that you can be open to what God wants to do in your life. Say amen to that. All right. So here's the parable, the parable of the prodigal son. Jesus told the story. He said, well, there was a man. He had two sons. The younger son told his father, hey, I want my money now. I want my inheritance while you're still alive, which was very disrespectful. Under that custom, it was basically saying, I want you dead. <laughs> I wish you were dead. And so but the father said, OK, fine. I'm going to give you the money. And he divided his wealth between both sons. Now, the other son was like, whoa, 
Why are you giving me money? I didn't even ask for it. This is, you know, I'm not like my brother. So a few days later, the younger son packed up all of his belongings. Now, both boys got money, but only one son did something. Both sons got money, but only one son said, let me go use this money. And so he went out there. And the Bible says that he went out and he, he spent all the money on wild living. And as soon as he ran out of money, a famine came. Isn't that interesting? As soon as he ran out of money, a famine came, swept over the land. And so he began to starve. So he, he, went, he persuaded a local farmer to give him a job. Now, the farmer could care less that he was a Jew, and Jews have no dealings with pigs and swine. He gave him a job, and his job was to deal with the pigs. And so he's out there with the pigs. He was so hungry that even the pig slop was looking good to him. And the Bible says no one gave him anything to eat. See, this is you big, bad, and bold. You make decisions. You're going to have to reap the repercussions of your decisions. So he was out there starving. Nobody gave him anything to eat. He wanted to eat the pig slop. That's nasty. And at that point, at his lowest point, he came to himself. The Bible says he came to himself and he said, you know what? My father has a staff at home and even the servants that we have, even those on the staff have it better than me. They've always had food and they've always had more than enough to eat. So I'm going to go home and ask my father to give me a job. I'm going to say, basically, daddy, I'm no longer to be called, no longer worthy to, to be called your son. I messed up. And this is how we do with God. We, the devil wants us to delve into guilt and shame and condemnation. And so he was like, man, I'm just going to say, daddy, I messed up. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. If it's okay with you, just give me a job. I would just be a servant. I'll be a slave. I'll be like one of those people. I'll be a hired worker. I just, I'm hungry though. I just want some food. So he goes home and while he's walking home, he's kind of nursing and rehearsing. This is how I'm going to say it. This is how I'm going to say it. I'm sorry. He probably cried a bunch of times along the way. And while that's going on, the father is looking for the boy with the heart of reconciliation and unity and love and grace. And the father saw the son walking and he saw him afar off. And the father ran to the boy. He didn't even wait for the boy to come home. He threw his arms around him and he kissed his neck and he said, I love you. This is my son who was there. Now he's home. And the son, while his father's doing all this, is trying to say, well, daddy, daddy, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, 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 if it's OK with you, I just want a job. If you can, get, I, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I don't need to be your son anymore. I just need a job. I don't even need my old room. I just need a, like, you know, I can live with the servants. I, I'm hungry. I just want some food. And he's going through all that. And the father's like, man, shut up. Uh, what are you talking about? You, you're not a slave. You're not a son. You, I mean, you're not a slave. You're not a servant. You're a son. He said, you're my son. Don't say that. And so he says to his servants, hey, kill the fatted calf. Get me the robe. Get me the ring. Get me the sandals. Come on. Let's restore this boy. And my son who was dead, now he's alive. Let's throw a party. He starts to throw the party. Now, the other brother, who was faithful the whole time, very respectful, loved the father, did everything right, got the money. Even after he got the money, he was working. He got home from work, supporting his father working for his father. He gets home and he hears the music. He's like, what's going on? One of the servants says, well, your brother is home. And so your father has killed the fatted calf. We've got a party. It's a celebration. You know, we're celebrating. And so the brother, the older brother was like, no, nah, I'm not going in there. And so the father comes out. And he's like, hey, what's going on? And he's like, well, no, I mean, this is not right. Here you are. I've been faithful the whole time. I've been dedicated the whole time. Even when you gave me the money, I didn't leave. I didn't let the money change me. I didn't do anything different. I just started, I've always honored you and worshiped you and, and you know, submitted unto your leadership and all of that. And, and I've done the right things. And here I am being faithful, being loyal, being a good son. And you throw a party for this, Joker? 
This dude is out here. He spent all your money. He was out there with prostitutes. So now he's uh, you know, imagining or, or assuming that he was out there with prostitutes. He spent all your money on prostitutes. Now, now he's going to come home and you killed him. You killed a fat. Wait a minute. A fatted calf? Is it, did I hear that right? Did I hear right that you killed a fatted calf for this joker? Well, hold on, daddy. Let me just say something real quick. I've been faithful the whole time. You've never even killed a goat for me and my friends. My friends come, we hang out. You never thrown a party for us. You've never even killed a goat for me, but you're going to kill the fatted calf for this dude? And he, come on, dad, what's up with that? And the father said, son, listen, I want you to know something. You're my son. Everything I have belongs to you. I know you've been here. I know you've always been here. I know you're faithful, but everything I have belongs to you. Now, you maybe you've never made a demand on it, but there are things that are yours that are just waiting on you to make a demand for. Now, in this case, come on now. Your brother was gone. He messed up. He came home. I'm happy that he's home. I threw a party. I had to throw a party. My son, who was dead, is now alive. So what does this mean for you today? There's a lot of dynamics going on in this story, right? So I have, I believe, five things to share with you in this morning or four I think it's fine. So let's go through these uh, this morning, and I pray that it's going to be a blessing to you. Now, now, now that I'm about to get into the points, I need you to open up your heart to receive and really focus in on the teaching. You ready? All right, number one. We are all unique, and God treats us as such. Put in the chat, I am unique. Put, put in the chat, I am an original, right? And so I am fearfully and wonderfully made. So we are all unique, and God treats us as such. I've mentioned to you many times already uh, that the father had two sons and how different they were. And then when you're a parent and you have multiple children, you can see how children can be raised in the same environment and how they come out so different. So God made us unique. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. God's design is intentional. God made me the way that God made me. And he made each of us for a distinct purpose. And and I am I'm unique. I'm a Dominican kid from Brooklyn. I have my own unique experiences. God has graced me to minister the way that I minister. I don't have to try to be like anybody else. I could be preaching and in the middle of a of a sermon, I could drop a, a rap verse or I could say something that, that other people probably won't say. I really don't care. I'm me and I'm going to be me. And so we have to celebrate the fact that we are fearfully and wonderfully made in God's eyes. Our uniqueness is a testament to God's creativity and his desire for diversity in his kingdom. In his kingdom, it's, it's a diverse kingdom. There's all kinds of people in the kingdom of God. And we're supposed to celebrate the diversities of giftings and callings without jealousy. Put in the chat. I can celebrate one another. I can celebrate my brothers and sisters. I can celebrate our differences without being jealous or without it being a problem for me. Each of us has a special role to play in the kingdom and our job is to embrace it. So we have distinct gifts and talents and perspectives and God uses all of that within the tapestry of his kingdom to bring us all together, united under the bloodstained banner of Jesus Christ so that we could all be one. But we are supposed to be one, but we're not all supposed to be the same. In the kingdom of God, we got to celebrate each other's differences without jealousy so that we can have a spirit of collaboration and not comparison. Put in the chat, I have collaboration and not comparison. I can collaborate with somebody that's different than me. So where I'm weak, they're strong. And where 
I'm strong, they're weak. And when we come together, we eliminate each other's weaknesses. Because I, where, where they're weak, I'm strong. Now I'm making them stronger. Where I'm weak, they're strong. They're making me stronger. We're eliminating each other's differences when we come together. That's why God is seeking collaboration and not competition or comparison. Say amen to that. Put in the chat, I'm not in a competition with anybody. I'm just me. I, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm okay being me. I'm, I'm Rick Pina. I'm very comfortable being Rick Pina. And I'm going to be the best Rick Pina that I can be. Number two the dangers of comparison. I've already talked about this. I need to keep talking about it in this parable. Comparison is a trap. Put in the chat. Comparison is a trap. You don't want to go down that road. Comparison is a trap that will lead to discontentment. It will lead to a lack of gratitude. You don't want to compare yourself to other people. If you compare yourself to other people, one or two things is going to happen. Either A, you're going to feel like I'm better than them. Right. So now I'm looking down on them. I'm better than them. I'm comparing myself to them so I can feel better. And now, I'm, now my heart could be filled with pride and it could be filled with contempt. And, and, and it may cause me to devalue or even disrespect somebody else because I feel like I'm better than them. They don't measure up to me. They're not operating on the. And this is why you got to be very careful. People with a religious spirit do this. People with a religious spirit say, well, I go to church every Sunday. I'm a tither. I do this. I do that. And, and, and they're not doing that. And so you look down on other people. You got to be careful not to look down on other people. You got to be careful not to devalue or to disrespect the, who it is that God has called them to be. You, we are all different. We are all fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, if you don't make that mistake, if you're comparing yourself, say, oh, I'm better than them. That's a mistake. I'm full of pride. I'm full of contempt. If you don't make that mistake, then you might make the other mistake. The other mistake is, oh, they're better than me. And if you go, they're better than me. Now you're devaluing yourself. You're, you're devaluing and you're disrespecting who it is that God has called you to be. This is why God hates envy and jealousy, because when you're jealous of someone else, you're devaluing who you are. And so now I'm, I'm putting myself down and that could lead to low self-esteem and that could lead to dissatisfaction in life. And that, and if you keep meditating on that long enough, that could lead to depression and despair. That could lead to a point where you, you, you don't like yourself and you, you're pulling your hair out. You lose your sleep. You lose your mental health over the fact that you are dissatisfied with who you are and you are dissatisfied with where you are because you're comparing yourselves to other people. And that's why Paul said, hey, listen, there are people that are out there comparing themselves with themselves, comparing themselves among themselves. That's not wise. It's not wise to do that. You, you don't want to devalue yourself. You don't want to devalue other people. Comparison can rob you of your joy and then it can cause you to, to, to be distracted. The devil wants to derail you from your destiny. He wants you to be distracted and you can get distracted from what God has called you to do. When you start looking at the lives of other people, say amen to that. Right. All right. Number three, the best thing to do is to embrace God's love and grace for yourself and for other people. For yourself, say this. I embrace God's love and grace for me and as it relates to dealing with other people. God's love is unconditional. His grace is sufficient. I've dealt with that in this parable already. When you embrace God's love and grace, you learn how to be easier on yourself. Put this in the chat. I will be easier on myself. There are people, when I do uh, coaching, one-on-one -on -one coaching on the Patreon, a lot of times I get on a call, and one of the things that I have to help people, especially people that are high achievers, they're really hard on themselves. Like, you got to learn how to extend grace to yourself. The very same grace that God is extending to you, you need to extend that to yourself. Put in the chat, I'm going to be easier on myself. Recipients of grace need to be extenders of grace, but you got to extend grace to even to your own self. If you're too critical of yourself, you're going to devalue your future because of your past mistakes. 
This is what the prodigal son was doing. The prodigal son was like, well, I'm no longer worthy to be called a son. Because of what I did, I'm no longer a son. So I'm going to go home and say, okay, well, I don't want my room back. I don't, I, I, I don't need to eat with y'all at the table. I, I can go sleep in the servants' quarters, and I can take my meals with them. All I want is a job now because, because of my performance, I'm no longer worthy to be called a son. In other words, the devil wants you to delve into guilt and shame and condemnation to the point where you will forfeit your status in Christ Jesus. Put in the chat, I will not forfeit my status. What the devil wants you to do is he wants you to forfeit who you are because of what you've done. Come on now, put in the chat and say, I will not forfeit who I am because of what I've done. Now, now God is not holding your future hostage to your past. So the prodigal son was willing to forfeit his son status because of poor decisions. And the devil wants you to forfeit your future because of what you've done in the past. But the love and the grace of God will affirm you to the point where God is saying, okay, I don't want you to stay in sin, but I also want you to know that your sin has not disqualified you. Put this in the chat. I cannot disqualify myself from something that I never qualified for. The father called you by grace, not by merit. And so since you can't, since he called you from the foundations of the world before you did anything uh, to perform, then it's not performance-based. So you can't disqualify yourself from something you never qualified for in the first place. Your faults and your flaws and your failures have not disqualified you. So stop beating yourself up and do not forfeit your future. No matter how many times you mess up, God's love for you is constant and his grace is a testament to the, to the immeasurable love of God. So once you embrace the love of God and the grace of God for yourself, then recipients, I tell you all the time, recipients of God's grace must be extenders of God's grace. Just like I received God's grace, I should extend God's grace. So it's not about getting what we deserve. It's about receiving what God wants for us. And, and if that's true for us, then it should be true for other people. Then we have to learn how to be gracious towards other people. Recipients of grace are gracious towards other people. Put in the chat, I will be gracious towards others because God is gracious towards me. Number four, the father wanted unity in diversity. He knew that his two sons were different. He wanted unity in diversity. He knew that his two sons were completely different and he was not asking them to be the same. He just wanted them to be unified, not uniform. When the younger son asked for his inheritance, the father wound up giving the inheritance to both sons, even though the older son didn't ask for it. And when both sons got their money, one took off with the money. The other one got up the next morning and went back to work to support his father. He, he did not allow the money to change him. He did not allow the money to influence him in any way. The younger son was influenced by the money. The older son was not. The younger son went out to spend the money on wild living. The older son remained faithful and kept working for his father. The, when the younger son came home and the father threw him a party, the older son didn't want to celebrate because he was bitter over the fact that his brother had taken the money, had disrespected his father, had disrespected his household, and he didn't think that his brother deserved the party. So notice how the father 
dealt with both boys. He wanted the boys to be united, even though they were way different. He wanted them to be unified and not uniform. He he knew that they were never going to be uniform. God is looking for unity, not uniformity. God doesn't want us all to look the same or act the same because we're not. He made us different. We are all unique, but we can be unified without being uniform. We the the two boys were obviously different, but the father still wanted them to be unified. Guess what? We are all different, and the father wants us to be unified. We, we not, we're not uniform, but we can be unified. So in the kingdom of God, we have all sorts of people with all sorts of background. Put in the chat, unif uh, not unified, I mean, not uniform, but unified. We have all kinds of people with all kinds of background, and the father is not expecting us to be the same but he expects us to be one. When you walk with God and, and you allow God to walk with you, you will experience unity in diversity. Put that in the chat. We can have unity in diversity. So God wants us, his children, to come together as one, even though we're significantly different. And so we can come together in the love and grace of God in a way that, will, that the world will be baffled. Listen, I'm a Dominican kid from Brooklyn. I'm right, right now I'm in the Dominican Republic. And so Last night, I was playing dominoes with my uncles and them, and, you know, they were talking all kind of smack and, you know, Dominican dominoes. So I was playing dominoes. You know, I just preached on Sunday. Today, we're going to see the kids. There's a lot of different things that I do. I got meetings today. Uh, we have some presentations. We got business, corporate America, all of that stuff. Listen, I'm a Dominican kid from Brooklyn. I go in and out of all kinds of environments. But God has blessed me to be cool with black, white, Hispanic, and Asian, rich and poor, general and private, doesn't matter, CEO or janitor, I get along with everybody, right? So, so in the kingdom of God, God can grace us to be unified without being uniform. God, I have friends that went to Ivy League. I got friends that are straight from the ghetto, <laughs> right? I got friends that are very articulate. I got friends that are still cursing every third word. And so, so we got to learn how to come together as one. We could be unified without being uniform. And let me just pause right here to say this. In the body of Christ, we could do better in this area. We should be showing the world what it's like to be unified. And we're not. 11 a.m. Sunday morning is still the most segregated hour in the United States of America. And that bothers me. I am called in grace right now on today's word. Right now, people are watching. There, there are all types of people from all types of backgrounds that are watching today's word right now. And that blesses me because God has called me to minister to all kinds of people, right? And, uh, but we could do better in this area as the body of Christ. 11 a.m. Sunday morning is the most segregated hour in the United States. It's like we can work together. We can go to the game together, but we can't worship together. And then we need to fix that. And don't come to me with, oh, Brother Pina, you know, you got the black church, the Hispanic church, the white church, the Korean church. You got that. And it's just different because, you know, we got some clap on the first and third beat, some clap on the second and fourth beat. No, if we come together, we won't miss a beat. Stop making excuses. We need to learn how to come together as one. We need to be more gracious to one another. We need to celebrate our diversities, the diversities of giftings and callings without jealousy. Don't tell me, oh, he's Catholic, he's Baptist, he's Presbyterian, he's Anglican, he's Church of God, he's Church of Christ, he's Church of God in Christ. Stop. We have too, too much in common to be uncommon. Under the panoply of Christianity, we should be able to celebrate the, the things that we have in common. And we actually have more in common than we have uncommon. Say amen to that. So let me just say this as I close out this point. People don't need to look like you or act like you to be unified with you. As a believer, 
we could do better in this area. If we will be honest, we could do better. So let's, let's you and I d decide right now. Put in the chat, I'm going to do better. We can have unity in diversity. Say amen to that. All right, number five, last point for today. We should prioritize reconciliation the way that God does. We should prioritize reconciliation the way that God does. Listen, humans are complicated, right? People, people are complicated, man. Some people are messy. Some people, are, I mean, like humans are complicated. I got it. Um, God knows that we don't like everything that other people do. But at the same time, if we have a heart for unity and reconciliation, we will be able to experience the love of God, not just towards us, but towards them. The father just wanted the older brother to experience the love of God towards him and then extend that to his brother. He just wanted unity and reconciliation. And community is the, I mean, communication is the key to mending broken relationships and fostering unity. The father had to communicate with the older son so he could try to get them to come together. We got to talk it out. We got we to gotta communicate. We got to let the love of God and the grace of God and the peace of God help us to come together even though we're different. The father was operating in love in this parable and he wanted his boys to do the same. The older son did not want to open his heart to the love of God for his brother. And he was running the risk of getting bitter towards his brother. And, and, and if, you, if you're not careful, that can, that can have a broken relationship and that, that could be a broken relationship that remains broken. So what you want is to open up your heart to the spirit of love and grace and reconciliation. The Holy Spirit will lead you to reconcile broken relationships. The Holy Spirit will lead you to walk in love and grace towards other people so that you don't develop a root of bitterness in your heart. I've told you many times that you should not keep records, good records of bad things. Put in the chat. I, I will not keep good records of bad things. Don't do that. Don't keep good records of bad things. Be, be quick to forgive and be open to reconciliation. And let me close with the words of the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 12, verses 17 through 19. This is what Paul said. Listen, this is what the Bible says. Do not repay anyone with evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And if at all possible, as far as it depends on you, try to live at peace with everybody. Do not take revenge because you know what? God says revenge is mine. So God is the God of justice and recompense. You don't have to get him back. Let that be, be between them and God. As much as it depends on you, live at peace with everybody. Unity in diversity. Say amen to that. Let's close this message out with a declaration of faith. This is something that we need to hear. Uh, I want you to lift up your voice and declare this. Say, Father, this is a season of refreshing and restoring for me. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I embrace your amazing grace and the distinct role that you have given me in your grand design. So I reject comparison, choosing instead to see my value and the value of others. I am a recipient of your boundless love and grace, and I will extend that to other people too. I celebrate the beauty of unity and diversity, recognizing that you want us all to come together as one in your body, despite our differences. So I prioritize reconciliation seeking to mend broken relationships and walking together in love, understanding that bitterness and resentment 
has no place in my heart. I'm led by the Holy Spirit. I reflect your heart in every situation. I stand firm in knowing that you are a God of unity and love and grace. And living with this mindset, I know that greater is coming for me. I declare this by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. This is today's word. Tomorrow I'm going to have another one. So please apply it and prosper. If you're not getting these messages, please go to todaysword.org, click on the big red subscribe button, put in your email address. You're going to get all my notes in your email inbox every day for free. I love you. God loves you more. Have an amazing day. Greater is coming for you. Let's walk in unity. Even though we may be diverse, it's okay. We don't have to be uniform to be unified. Do me a favor. Leave me some comments in the chat. If this message was a blessing to you, share this message right now on your social media, on your timeline, and with your friends. Greater is coming for you. I'll see you tomorrow morning. God bless you. If you enjoyed this content and you would like to know more about our ministry or you would like to partner with us in what we're doing in the Caribbean, being a blessing to Haitian children in the Dominican Republic, then please go to ripministries.org. You'll be able to find out more information there. And if you'd like to make a donation, all the donations are tax deductible in the United States. A few months ago, the Lord impressed it upon my heart to set up a coaching and mentorship program. And Isabella and I set that up. And so now we make ourselves available on three different levels for those that want access to us and to learn things about maximizing your potential, increasing your personal productivity and fulfilling your life's purpose. If you're interested in that, go to patreon.com forward slash Rick Pina. And then lastly, the Lord impressed it upon my heart to write several books and journals to help people grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Please go to rickpina.co if you don't have our material. And there's also apparel there as well. Listen, thank you for being a blessing to us. We pray that our ministry will continue to be a blessing to you.